why do we not have a consistent view of this? And why is everyone telling me different numbers? And I was like, someone has to take ownership of this and solve it so that we are not like, this is not going to be good. Like this is going to continue to really hurt our business if we're not, if we don't figure out a way to solve the problem, I think. Behind the scenes, it was a small group of people that were doing everything. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I want to know how this insane growth actually happened. What are you doing when no one's around, no one's looking? Are you just showing up and doing the minimum? Or are you approaching it like a pro? Be a student of the game. Back in action. I hope you're having a fantastic day. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us for the next 40 minutes. Uh, This is going to be a fantastic conversation. I know so because I've had many conversations with this next guest. She's done an incredible go-to-market session for our founders before. We got to chop it up at different dinners. Uh, So super excited to welcome Nicole Smith to the podcast. Nicole, welcome. Thanks for having me, Scott. Really excited to be here. Pumped pumped to have you and uh, been excited for this one for, for a while. Uh, so always like to quickly do a bio for those listeners. So Nicole is the current VP of marketing at Tackle, uh, where she oversees strategy and execution across brand, demand gen, content, product, customer, and partner marketing. So the whole gambit. Uh, she's extremely passionate about building go-to-market programs that align cross-functional teams uh, while scaling revenue. That's uh, going to be a big piece of what we talk about today is how important alignment actually is and not just a buzzword, it is incredibly important. We'll try and get really tactical with that. And before Tackle, uh, she built and scaled a marketing team from the ground up at two previous SaaS companies uh, and also uh, advises early stage SaaS companies as they build out their marketing team and strategy. We're very fortunate to have her uh, in the GTM fund uh, from the from the early days. Uh, what am I missing there, Nicole? Oh, you just made me sound a lot more important and cooler than I think I am probably, honestly. <laughs> but <laughs> no, just thanks to the GTM fund for helping me get some great advising opportunities. It's been an amazing group to be a part of. Awesome. Well, thank you. It's, uh, it's a win-win when we can uh, connect incredible operators with, mm-hmm. with founders. Um, and sometimes I feel like as go-to-market leaders, as marketing leaders, we because we almost live in like a bubble altogether, we can forget how much, you know, we know and like this yeah. insane amount of knowledge that we've accrued over mm-hmm. our careers. And then you talk to a founder, especially if maybe they're more technical or this is their right. first startup. Um, it's, uh, it's always great to play matchmaker uh, in that, in that scenario. Um, how's your, how's your summer been going so far? Any, any fun things? We just got back from a trip to Spain. Um, we uh-huh. went with another couple. We celebrated like some birthdays over there and we went to Madrid, San Sebastian and Barcelona. So that was really fun. Nice. Nice. Ate all the tapas, drank all the good wine. I'm oh sure. Gosh, like so many tapas, lots of sangria, lots of wine. I don't think we ever, you know, it's kind of like you just have a constant little buzz when you're over there because <laughs> there's never an excuse like not to drink. You can start totally. early there. And then you come, you come back and you're weirdly like, why am I thinking about a beer or wine at like 11 a.m. Yeah, this is not, not normal. <laughs> That's a dry out for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Um, I had the same thing when I came back from, I was in Bali recently. It was, it was actually a little more of a, I would say a healthier, healthier trip. Did a lot of yoga and, and oh, stuff, nice. but would mix in some, some lunchtime beverages for <laughs> sure. Um, 
All right. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about before we kind of dive into uh, your story is this idea about alignment. And we've, we've talked about this before, and it's, it's how to really align marketing, sales, and partners uh, to be one cohesive go-to-market you know, team. Uh, and it can be tough as you're scaling up, as you're moving fast, as everyone has competing priorities. Um, but you know, what are some of your thoughts on, on alignment? So I, I think it's really hard to do first. I will say, like you said, um, everyone is moving fast, has different priorities, but I think it can really change the nature of a business and like change revenue outcomes as well. And I think a lot of organizations like to say they're aligned, but that, you know, if you really break it down and look at it, they're not aligned. Like, sure, maybe you're meeting weekly or something like that, or you're working on some of the same campaigns. But at the end of the day, there's still a lot of friction in the system. Um, And you'll see a lot of like tension still between maybe marketing and sales or you're not using the same terms to talk about things. Um, you're not reporting the same way. Or maybe, you you know, the worst could be like you go into a board meeting and the CRO and CMO aren't aligned or aren't saying the same thing. And so kind of, you know, after seeing this at a few organizations, I really worked to develop a framework, you know, when I was at Tackle of what does really alignment mean for the go-to-market team? What will it mean for us to be I call it like more of a modern organization around go-to-market alignment and how can I implement this and get, you know, get my peers to buy into this as well so we can operate differently. And it's not just like a quick thing of, hey, let me put a piece of paper in front of you and say, this is how we're going to do this. It's a really, it's kind of a long transformative process to think and operate differently. You mean having a weekly stand-up with sales, marketing, and your partners is an alignment? That that's not all it takes. No, it's a nice it's a nice tiny step, but yeah, not quite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's certainly the the band aid solution that maybe makes mm-hmm. people feel good, but it's not actually uh, getting anyone closer to, to business outcomes. Yeah. So I would love it if you could walk through that that framework if you don't mind sharing it. Sure, and just like stop me with any questions because I feel like I'll just babble on about this. <laughs> <laughs> so I. When I did this, like what I really thought about first was, you know, what are the outcomes and behaviors we want to drive? And I really like thought there were like four key pillars for this. So it's thinking about here are the goals that we want to be able to look at. And we want to have one shared goal for pipeline and revenue that everyone is driving towards on the go to market team. Um, Prior to this, we were looking at marketing source revenue and pipeline, sales, partners, and that was causing so much friction in the system. Everyone wanted to, like, lead sources were being changed in Salesforce. People were not wanting to work on campaigns together. Like, sales was working on one, marketing was working on another. Like, that wasn't good. So, it also, if you're going a little more upmarket as well, um, I would say that it's really hard to also have those separate sources for revenue and pipeline because you're doing a lot of ABM work usually, and there's going to be so many touches in these areas. So, um, you know, first aligning on that, our goal for this was we want to have one shared um, pipeline and revenue goal. The next was focused on campaigns um, that we needed to be executing integrated campaigns across 
our go-to-market organization. And so that really meant that we were going to move away from what I call um, RAMs or random acts of marketing, um, which is, you know, hey, we're just going to do this one-off campaign or one-off email. And same thing across, it could be said for sales and partners as well, but that the go-to-market leaders are going to meet quarterly. We're going to look at, you know, what is coming out from the product team, what else, what's going on in the market, what do we need to be talking about, what's working, like what's our integrated theme for this next quarter, and how are we going to like infuse this into everything we're doing from our content strategy, our campaigns, um, what the SDR cadences are, and everything that we're even talking about with our partners as well. So that was like really the next area that we focused on. And then we focused on reporting. Um, reporting can be a nightmare, as many people know. And what we have, how we had it set up at, at Tackle was, in most places at first, was it was single touch attribution. And it's fine. Like, but again, like we were getting into meetings and it was saying like, well, this is what marketing did and this is what sales did. And so on the attribution, we decided to move to more of a multi-touch attribution model. And I don't think attribution by any means is like the end all be all for any situation. Um, it's not going to solve everything. You're not going to see every point in a buyer's journey, but it did help us like start to understand the bigger picture and everything that was going on rather than just looking at, you know, what the lead did in that first or last interaction with us. And then it really helped us like get aligned on the data between teams, looking at the lead flow process and like putting more better definitions about, around that. Um, and we did that with Marketo Invisible and then putting that data into Tableau as well. Um, <laughs> and then the last area here was kind of the operation side and our cadence around operating. And so we knew that like we could do all these things, but if we didn't adopt really a new way to talk about it, of what's working and what's not working with each other, with the company, with the board, then this really wasn't going to work effectively. Um, so, you know, we would have, me you can have those little weekly meetings and talk about things, but that's not going to be effective. So we have a pipeline review meeting. And when we were doing this before, it was like each of the go-to-market leaders had their own dashboards and they would all say different things in terms of where we were on pipeline and revenue. We moved it to one dashboard in Tableau. It did not report on marketing sourced or sales sourced or partner sourced. We looked at each segment of the business, what our overall pipeline was in those areas. And then we look at the campaigns that are impacting those segments and what's driving revenue for that or pipeline. And we look at that as the most effective. And all of those campaigns are being contributed to by all of the different go-to-market teams. So it's we're not trying to pit one of the you know teams against each other. We're just trying to see like which efforts are working most effectively. And there's been a lot of other things on the operating side. Like we used to have a weekly sales report that went out. Again, like make it a go-to-market report. Um, instead of having a sales, marketing, and partners QBR, which were all separate make it, we made it a go-to-market QBR. So we're all working on the same things and talking about the same areas of the business instead of like being siloed in our efforts. It really forced us to align in a different way. It's a great, great framework. So goals, execution, reporting, and cadence, uh, you know, rolling it all up into one GTM QBR, one dashboard. Everyone's looking at the same thing. I guess like just playing devil's advocate a little bit uh you know listeners might be thinking okay 
that's great for like alignment, but it might make it tougher to diagnose where the breakdown is happening. If there is a breakdown that's happening, is it more that like that data still exists? If I want to double click into it, you know, I can go by campaign who, who was actually sourcing it. Can I get that data? Or do you think that even having that is not beneficial um, for, for alignment? You, yes, we still have that data and it's, uh, it's going to be something, you know, at the end of the day that, you know, our CEO or our board might want to look at or understand, you know, a little bit deeper on performance, but it's not something that we have tried to focus at least the teams that are doing the day-to-day um, from focusing on in that aspect. But yeah, we still want to know, like, are we hitting our lead goal? You know, what in terms of partners, are they giving us the right amount of leads? And so we are still looking at those metrics for sure. Uh, but we have tried to move away from focusing on that as like, our operating metrics and our KPIs and the things that we want to talk about when we're folk, when we're like a go-to-market exec team together, and then also when we're with our teams as well, and what we're looking when we're looking at data too, um, you know, trying to focus on the overall pipeline health of the company rather than just you know our single individual business unit. Absolutely, I, I almost look at it, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's almost like when you're doing a performance review or something with uh, an AE and if they're killing it and they're hitting their, their number, you just look at kind of their top line be like, Oh, well, you're 200% of, of goal. We're doing mm-hmm. well. Let's keep doing more of what we're doing. Let's support you. Let's give you what you need. Yeah. Uh, and only if they're, you know, well below, that's when you start going that layer deeper. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. then be like, okay, well, what's the activities, you know, how many meetings, what's that conversion rate? And you don't, you don't always need, you know, that front, in center, if things are going well, it can just be mm-hmm. a, a distraction uh, to to go too much into the to the weeds. Um, so that makes makes total sense. Um, so I love this framework. Uh, what's the impact been uh, once you've kind of rolled this out? I would say a lot less friction in the system between the teams um, was the first one. That was a huge, I think, just win, anyways. And then I think also like realizing that how we were doing this also didn't align to how our buyers were buying from us. Um, if we thought about it and really like looking at the data, we weren't the way we were set up and doing this, the kind of random marketing touches, random sales touches and not connecting things in that way. Mm-hmm. That's not how buyers want to be sold to. And it wasn't the ideal experience. And so again, I think connecting these pieces has made the whole sales and buying cycle a lot more cohesive and that experience has really changed for the better and helped the business too um and then i would say just like in terms of the overall impact to the business you know we've seen a big increase and we've improved pipeline health in that sense and like we've been able to catch things too still earlier of like okay this is this campaign isn't working and we're not seeing the return on it, we're going to stop investing in this. And I think before, some of that was almost able to be overlooked on single teams. Like they were like, well, I'm hitting this number here, so I'm just going to keep doing this. But it was like, well, this actually really isn't performing and we're not, this isn't working well. But now all of us working together on campaigns, like we're really you know, able to see that this one campaign that we're all doing on the ABM side has generated 5x of anything else. We should be investing more resources here 
and seeing, you know, how we can continue scaling this in other areas as well, or what we can replicate. Yeah, that's huge. Catching those uh, mistakes or experiments that aren't right. going well uh, early uh, can can be huge. That just frees up more time and resources to do things that are working. Uh, so mm -hmm. you not only alleviate something that's not, but then you get more resources to do the things that that are. So it's like a, a 2x or 3x. Um, Especially now when everything's I was gonna say, especially right now, and I think you're, everything's like super critical and like measurements and ROI and looking at really dollars invested. And that was also, I think, a little bit of this reason that we, we've got even more focus on this is we were going and we were doing a lot of like business reviews and looking at things like, what is our paid ad return? Like, what is our paid social return? And it was like, yeah, we can look at this, but it doesn't tell the complete story of everything we're doing. And the same thing with like SDR outbound. What's the return here? Well, they're working on all this ABM effort. So putting the bigger picture together around really like the campaigns and the strategy behind this has been able to help us like really show the results of all the efforts together. And what brought you to this moment of, okay, we need to make some changes. What was kind of the, the story behind it? Just sheer... Yeah. frustration with how cross-functional teams were, were operating? Yes, honestly. <laughs> I, I think it was really just seeing the frustration all over the system, you know, from my marketing team coming to me and complaining and saying, this sales rep changed the lead source, but this should be a marketing source. And, you know, if I'm getting like four of those messages a week and mm -hmm. feeling like I'm having to spend a lot of time having those conversations, like this, something's wrong in the system. We're not all working together. So that was probably a huge one. Um, and then we were also, you know, I think I mentioned like going to these, we were having some go to market meetings and looking at pipeline, you know, health and trying to see like, oh, here's our pipeline numbers. And then realizing that we were all looking at very different things and our CEO saying, why do we not have a consistent view of this? And why is everyone telling me different numbers? And I was like, someone has to take ownership of this and solve it so that we are not like, this is not going to be good. Like this is going to continue to really hurt our business if we're not, if we don't figure out a way to solve the problem, I think. Yeah. Well, kudos to you for, for driving that change. Uh, I do know from my career as an operator that you can build great frameworks, you can take ownership, but there is, um, it's not always easy to drive change, as you know. Uh, looking back, how did you drive that change? What did you sort of learn from, from this experience? Because I imagine, you know, people typically like to do things the way they've always done them. Uh, so was it a bit of an uphill battle? A little bit in some areas. Um, I think, you know, by first creating like this framework and saying, you know, here's what I think we should try and do from this and getting alignment there. That was a good first step and not just trying to solve everything at once. Like we almost did it in stages and prioritize that. Um, I also would say built a tiger team around this. Um, and we had people from RevOps, like finance, sales, marketing partners, obviously involved here. And getting that buy-in across the organization from these stakeholders is really critical. And I didn't just, even though like they were involved and I, you know, like the CRO was involved and my, um, our chief cloud officer who leads the partnership team, like they were bought into this, but I didn't just 
I wanted their buy-in, but I also want to make sure like if I, we kept moving forward with this, that the rest of the senior leadership team would buy into it and in this change. And so I would go to like my CEO and CFO on the side as we were making progress on this and kind of share pieces of the project with them and say, hey, here's where we are and here's where we're headed. How do you feel about this? And here's where we're going to be next. And so by the time when we really had a full plan prepared for this and how we were going to execute it and we shared it with everyone, they were like, yeah, this is great. This makes so much sense. Let's do it. What resources do you need? And I think if I had just come out of the gates and said, we need to do this. I need a team around me to support this. And I need all this help from all these people would have been like, yeah, nice try, Nicole. No one's going to be bought in to do this with you. So good luck. That's Great advice. So build build a tiger team, get multiple uh, business units involved yep. so they, they all feel like this is a, an org-wide uh, change uh, and then you know share the learnings and the progress along the way. I think that can't be understated how valuable that is when you're trying to drive change in an organization mm-hmm. is to almost get leadership feeling like your CEO or like, you know, your board almost get it feeling like it's their idea or at least they're they're having like a <laughs> you, you're leading them the whole way but they feel like oh wow this is this is a change i'm driving uh and you can do that by like involving them you know heavily so i love that you did that um so again looking back a little bit uh, i'd love to know uh you know maybe what you would do differently but before we get there what do you think you did right what was sort of the aha moment where you're like, okay, I think I got everyone. I think, I think this is going to work. So this is a really, this one was really good. I think always like if you can lead with data in any situation, that's probably going to help you no matter what you're talking about or what you're trying, what change you're trying to influence. And for this situation, um, the most compelling thing, and my company still talks about this and likes to bring it up and be like, Oh, can you show that slide again, Nicole? Um, But I wanted to show that that there's no deals that are just a few touches that we have and are, you know, we haven't closed customers with just, hey, this is two or three touches from sales or marketing. And we have a complex buying cycle and journey that involves lots of touches from everyone on the go-to-market team. And so I took about three of our most recent deals that had closed and I went through Salesforce, I went through Marketo, I went through Salesloft and did some manual work, but mapped out all of the touches that occurred from that and put them in a timeline to show (laughs) what occurred and how long these things took. And, you know, there were like 15 contacts sometimes involved at um, our customers' accounts. Some of these had like 250 touches over the course of six months. So it was a lot of manual work that my um, RevOps leader also helped me with on this. But it was the most impactful slide that I have ever shown, I think, in my career that people have said, yeah, this is really silly that we're trying to give marketing credit for something when we are only looking at one touch rather than everything that impacts this journey. And Mm -hmm. I think after that, I could have said anything else and probably people wouldn't have even listened because they're just like, okay, you've sold me here on this. (laughs) That is incredibly tactical advice. Any Mm -hmm. marketers or any leaders at all that are, are looking to try and move to like one revenue pipeline number. I think doing that exercise is, is perfect. And 250 touch points that at that point, you're like, 
we're in this together. We're so clearly in this together. Yeah, Why are we all looking at different things? Um, yeah. 250. Wow. That's. And then I threw in things wild. like, we're not even counting things like the dark, dark social or the dark funnel of that where you can't really count. Like people are in communities asking about us. People are on LinkedIn and they see our CEO's post and they might go do something from, based on that. But again, like educating everyone about those things happen too. And we can't track those, but they're influencing all of this as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is a team sport. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and I, I love that you were able to drive that home at, at tackle. And I'm sure for many other companies that, that you advise for. Um, so now this is the, the tough question is where did you go wrong? If you had a magic wand and you could do a few things differently, what do you think those would be? I would probably say like that the operational shift was really hard, um, harder than I had expected in terms of just getting everyone like from the go to market side, just more aligned to doing this right. And like, you know, it was a big shift in how we all operate as a team. And so I think I could have done a better job of just probably thinking through that more from a standpoint of how do we want to communicate differently? Like, what does this cadence look like? And, you know, it was like developing new dashboards, like new QBR templates, um, like even new kind of cadences of how we talk to our teams um, as one. And I think I underestimated that of how much effort that might take. And we really needed like a lot of help from RevOps. And I just didn't really like factor that in maybe to where they could lean in and help with us. And I thought I could drive more of that. So probably, probably more of like the outside support maybe I would have needed in some of these areas. And I also think that just about the whole project, honestly, of I would have probably brought in more of our RevOps team sooner to this um, because again, it is, it's a big shift in a lot of ways. And I think I'm pretty, I can pretty savvy with some things with data and reporting, but we needed a lot of support from them in this process and getting them to support this. And they all, RevOps, I think is one of the busiest or functions of an organization and always getting pulled in tons of directions. And so it was a big lift, I know, and they had to prioritize, you know, working on this and they did an amazing job, but I should have like gotten their buy-in earlier and started asking them like, what will you need from us? Like how much time will this take? Is this realistic as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. And shout out to all the RevOps heroes out there uh, that uh, put up with all our framework and process changes that we, <laughs> we as leaders come, come up with. I yeah. feel like that's always been the hardest part. There's like, in my personal journey, like the the frameworks for me are like f fun to build, getting buy-in, I, mm -hmm. I can do that, it takes a long time. And then you kind of build the process for the framework, but then there's like, oh, now we actually have to go implement it. Ah, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. Someone's, someone's yeah. got to go do that. And it's, it's always me. the biggest, biggest piece. It takes like the longest time yes. because it, you always, you don't know, what you don't know until you make the change. And then you're like, yeah. oh, that actually affects this process as well. And mm -hmm. this one and this one. Um, so yeah. I think that's a, a great learning. Get RevOps bought in early and not only bought in, but make sure they know what's coming and they have yes. the, the time to, to deliver for you. Uh, that was great. Thank you so much for for sharing that that time period and that, that story. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess if you could 
maybe summarize, uh, you know, three learnings from that time period, what would those be? I would probably say like that, you know, I think really taking ownership of a business point of friction, it can really, it helps elevate your career. You know, no matter where you are, you can have an opportunity to do this. Um, It can elevate you as a leader. And like the things I would think about are identifying the problems you're solving first, like the goals, what the ideal outcomes are, as well as timing. And then really think about building a a great cross-functional team around this to tackle the problem. Um, Share updates regularly with the key stakeholders, lead with data, um, and then get executive buy-in along the way as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I think about it. Great advice that uh, those couple sentences will take you very, very far in, in the, your career. I, I've been often told, like, go fix the problem that no one else wants to fix. Yes. And that's how you can you can go really quickly in, in your career and, and have a big impact on, on the company. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit here. And we always get great listener questions. And I was going through some some this morning, and I thought this one would be interesting to, to kind of wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a tough one, because I think everyone is trying to look for a silver bullet right now, as most of our other bullets aren't, aren't working, or our traditional bullets are no longer mm-hmm. uh, maybe producing at the same same rate that they used to. Question is, our pipeline has been stagnant and outbound doesn't seem to be working. Where would you advise that we invest our marketing dollars in demand gen right now? Oh, yeah, that's like a tough one. You know, it's, it's always like I, I don't want to give the we it depends answer, but you know, something that's like really worked well for us in those when at tackle when that's been the case um, is really I think like working with marketing and sales together. I'll go back to my alignment piece a little bit here. Um, is saying like okay, if outbounds aren't really working, pipeline's stagnant. Like let's see what what is working then on the marketing side and then how can we get um, the outbound sales team maybe leveraging some of those messages as well of what's working there on marketing and then maybe let's develop like a joint campaign together it doesn't necessarily have to be an abm effort like some companies aren't doing abm on that side um, so you might not be at that scale but what can we do together like in a joint effort? It could even be like a smaller like outbound direct mail campaign or something like that. Or maybe it's, you know, putting on something smaller, like a little webinar or a virtual event for um, prospects of a topic of interest that's working. So I might try things like that in, in a situation there. I think that's great. Yeah. It also just gives, I found when I've been in situations like this where it's like sometimes you just need a focus too. And I feel like mm-hmm. getting sales and marketing aligned together on one single campaign you can like cut out the noise you know stop making excuses yes it's hard but like (laughs) here is our focus and just simply having that focus can can shake off some of those uh stagnant uh feelings within the or i I have a follow-up question that's just personal Mm because i read this thing the other day i'm trying to remember who shared it someone on on linkedin uh was talking about how poorly uh, ad performance is doing right now. Uh, are you seeing that at at Tackle? I saw that. I think I saw a similar post in one of my groups or something like that as well. Um, I haven't actually seen that as as much, but I've heard a few people like you know discussing that as well. Um, I again like we don't invest a ton on ads though, and we're very 
it is very, I think, like targeted of what we are doing there. So I, but we haven't really seen a dip in decline in our ad performance lately. But I do think there's a lot of like changes that are impacting a lot of things with ads. And I, I think we'll see, I do think we're going to see people start to move away from spending more money there as things, things continue. Yeah. Or it will evolve. I think like the mm-hmm. traditional ad that looks like an ad, like our brains have just grown accustomed to like just not, I don't even think I see them anymore. I don't know how my brain identifies them as I'm like scrolling on LinkedIn or whatever, but like I, I don't even see them. Um, so I think we'll, they'll have to evolve in some, some form. Um, so the last final questions here, uh, and this has been a great conversation. So thanks for, thanks for hanging out with me, um, is what is one tactic or strategy that revenue leaders or founders, uh, still believe to be true that you think is bullshit or no longer serving us? I feel like there's probably a lot of these, but, and I don't know if this is, this falls into the realm, but it's been like coming up a lot recently. Um, I think there's, especially right now in this economy, there's this mentality of like, I don't need to hire a full marketing team. I am, I'm ready to hire a sales team. And you might have a sales team of like 20 people, but you're, you're okay hiring just one marketing person and you expect them to do it all. Like you want them to lead product marketing, lead demand gen, lead content, you know, and be the strategy and the execution and be in the weeds and do it all. And I've seen a lot of companies, even like series B size companies, like I totally get it for seed and even like series A of being the first marketer. I've done it three times now and building that team of momentum. But I've been kind of surprised, I think, of still seeing, companies a little later stage um, having these expectations of a marketing leader right now. And I think it makes it just very challenging for anyone to succeed in that role if that's the expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Readjusting those expectations are huge. I think that's a great, a great call out. And yeah, it's like, it can be done. I feel like there are people that can be strategic and execute, but there is a trade-off, you know, every minute you spend executing yeah. is a minute that you're not thinking strategically and every time every moment Mm -hmm. you're thinking strategically you're not executing so you're doing both things but you're doing them at like half mast and you know we all Mm -hmm. know as once we get in like the zone and you give yourself more time to think strategically it usually compounds and and you get to a, a better place um hopefully we'll have AI doing all the execution shortly and we'll just, we'll just all be thinking about strategy. Yeah, we're good. (laughs) (laughs) I think it it might be coming. Um, Okay. And then last question is kind of that, but flipped on its head and a little more uh, popular or sorry, um, positive light is what is one tactic or strategy that is working for you today that uh, you think uh, folks can implement that will immediately move the needle? Speaking of AI, I would actually say that, um, you know, like do more with less right now with everything. And I think that's something like I've really been leaning into, as has my marketing team. Um, There's just been a lot of things like that. We, 
you know, it's like a little bit smaller team right now that we're saying like, oh my gosh, someone else used to do this. Now we have to do it. And um, I need to turn this press release into a blog post, or I need to turn this webinar into like a ton of social posts and then um, emails for the sales team. And there's just so many ways to leverage different AI tools to really help you accelerate this and that you're not starting from scratch. And I've helped some of our cross-functional teams that tackle understand this as well. Um, they're writing, you know, they're trying to do some content for different emails or, you know, maybe an in-product guide. And there's so many use cases for this. Like if we already have copy, you could easily leverage, you know, a tool to help you tweak this and put it in the voice you want. And, I'm, and I can review it, but I don't need to rewrite all the copy and messaging for you. And I, I'm just really amazed by how much I think like time savings and resources this has helped us with and just made us a lot more efficient as well. Yeah. I think everyone in uh, any role right now in tech should have, mm -hmm. you know, chat GPT open all the time. Yes. And if you just have mm -hmm. it open, I've, I usually have it open and I just find myself like, oh, what could I'm doing this? What could I use this for? And over time, you train yourself to leverage it more. I'll give an example that I was insanely impressed with, like sitting down earlier this week and I'm kind of like redoing our whole community and media strategy. I was like, okay, I want to get this all all down. And, you know, when you're starting from absolute scratch, like, okay, what what are the pillars? Like, what what do I need? What are the the sections? How am I going to mm -hmm. do all this? And I just went to ChatGPT and was like, what is a framework for a community and media strategy? And it wasn't perfect, but it gave me a pretty damn good jumping off point for at least my, like, my headers. And then, you know, I could go and... Mm -hmm and figure it out. So there's a lot of things like that where it's it's not going to take you the full yeah. way, but it will it will get things going in a pretty meaningful direction. For sure. I agree. And I, I think people are sometimes nervous to have it to say they're using it or things like that. And I want to like erase that fear on teams of saying those things like, yeah, let's tell me you're using it or how you're using it. Like, let's share tips and tricks around this. Yeah, totally. It's like almost being like, Oh yeah, sorry. Google gave me this answer. It's like, of course it did. That's yeah. where we get all of our yeah, answers. Right. You know, I feel exactly. like, like, of course AI did your work. That's how we all do it. You know, yeah. eventually. Yeah. Um, it's it's about how you leverage it. Uh, well, Nicole, mm -hmm. uh, thank you again for hanging out. Uh, that was a great conversation. Appreciate you sharing your your story and a bunch of great views and strategies and tactics that you've implemented. Uh, if folks want to learn more. Uh, they're interested in, you know, alignment and a lot of the marketing things that you're, you're talking about. What's the best way to do that? Twitter, LinkedIn, how, how should folks uh, follow you? I'd love for them to find me on LinkedIn and connect with me there and I'd be happy to chat and yeah, help anyone that I can. Perfect. Well, thank you again. And for all those listeners that lent us their eardrums for the last 40 minutes, we appreciate you. As always, listening is one thing. Executing is everything. And uh, we will see you next week. 